take 326. <laughs> Just joking. Good morning, church. I trust that this message finds you well. I really, really do look forward to the time when we can speak face to face again. But I do thank the Lord for this technology. Thank you that through this, His name can still be proclaimed, that the name of Jesus can be lifted up, and that His truth can go far and wide. So, yeah, thank the Lord for today, and, and I trust this message will bring encouragement to you. I wanted to, to speak about the amazing grace of God for us in Christ Jesus. And it just is so important, the grace of Jesus. In the apostolic prayer in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we need the grace of Jesus from beginning right to the end. We were dead in our sin. And the gift of God was to save us by His grace. And we are to continue in that grace. Day by day, moment by moment, we are called to live by His grace. We cannot do this thing in our own strength. And I just realized that I'm becoming more and more convinced that to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, is not nearly as much what I can do for Him, my performance. But it's much more what He has done for me and what He does for me. Jesus Christ living His life through me to bear fruit. That's what really counts. And I can personally testify that there have been areas in my life where there's been sin that I've struggled with, where I've desperately tried to break free. And it's only been by the grace of God where I've surrendered to Him and given that area over to Him that I've had breakthrough and victory. There have been certain things I've tried to change in my own strength. And I can testify once again that it is God who works in us to will and to act according to His purpose. So thank you, Lord, for your grace in Jesus Christ. Well, it's also amazing, but not really amazing, it's more sobering, is how quickly we can slip back into works. How quickly we can slip into, if I can call it, performance mode, where we try and serve the Lord in our flesh, in our own strength. And it can easily happen. And I just wanted to mention some of the dangers of that because there are a lot of ugly behaviors, if I can call it that, that come with serving the Lord in our flesh and doing it in our own strength. And some of them are trying to perform for God and then manipulating Him to get something from Him. The fear of punishment or failure because we feel like we're not quite hitting the mark. Being obsessed with sin, being a sin spotter, spotting sin in everybody else, being harsh and critical because we feel like we're under condemnation. Caught up in cycles of sin, caught up in condemnation, being self-righteous and being competitive. And I mean that in a bad way, where we can't celebrate other people's victories where we're constantly competing with people and, and trying to perform better than them. <clears throat> and these are just some of the ugly behaviors which should remind us that we need to live by the grace of God, His grace alone. This is not a new thing. In the book of Galatians, we see this quite clearly where a church was established. And then Paul came back to, came back to this church and he was shocked. He was shocked, shocked to see 
what had changed, sorry. And he could spot the difference where the people had come under the law. They started practicing things. They started trying to check uh, check boxes to be pleasing to God instead of living by grace. And it was very sad. And one of the things, significant things that Paul says in Galatians is, what happened to all your joy? And that joy is such a good barometer, joy and peace. And sometimes when we start serving the Lord in our strength again, we lose all our joy. The joy of being a follower of Christ disappears. And Paul says, what happened to all your joy? Something serious has happened here. And we'll come back to Galatians a little bit later. So I've just been realizing how easy it is to slip back into performance mode. Um, even though we may have the head knowledge. And if I can use myself as an example, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is John 15. And it says there that apart from you, Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I, I know that I've got that head knowledge. And yet what I realize is it's still easy to slip into that performance mode. And it's sometimes the way we live indicates what we really believe and and we need to be careful of that slipping back. And I just wanted to share a testimony that happened this past week. I had quite a hectic week. Um, it was hectic for me anyway. And what happened was on Monday, my boss told me he has to do a demo in Dubai. It will be in a few days time. And so he needed to get some, some work needed to be finished. And I thank the Lord that I do have work. I'm so grateful to have work. And I was quite optimistic. I said to him, Conrad, don't worry. I've got this. I'll have it done by Thursday so that you can test it. And I'm sure it'll be fine. And what happened is I started getting stuck. And I'm sure some programmers can relate to this. Sometimes you get a bit stuck in the code. I couldn't get the job done. I also got sick in the process. Somewhere along the line, I got a bit sick. So at one point, uh, T, my wife, gave me some medication. And I slept for 12 hours straight. And so I lost time there. And so what was happening is other things are piling up. I'm behind on my workload. I'm getting stressed out. And, and I know that there are much bigger challenges in the world right now. But for me, this was stressful. And I felt overwhelmed. And I actually was at the point where I was about to tell Conrad, I don't think this can be done. It looks impossible. But I, I tried to persevere. I worked most nights until past 10 o'clock, even into the early hours of the morning. And eventually... Eventually, I listened to the Lord. God, in His grace, I believe, spoke to me and said, still small voice. And I just felt Him say something along the lines of, you need to spend time at my feet. And I wish I could say that immediately I spent time at His feet, but I didn't. I wrestled with the Lord. I kind of argued. And, and I thought, this is counterintuitive. I've got so much to do. Lord, let me just try and knock off some of these things, and then I'll spend some good quality time with you. And and that was foolishness because what I really needed to do was just spend time at his feet first and foremost. And, and what I can testify, friends, is when I did that, my health was restored. There was breakthrough with the code. I managed to, albeit at half past 12 at night, I could finish the, t finish the tasks. And I give glory to God that my boss, he's got an accountant. He is an accountant and he's got an accountant type personality. So he doesn't normally show that much emotion. No offense to any accountants out there. Don't mean any but uh, And he even said, awesome job. Well done. So I give glory to God for that. That was There was breakthrough. And, and I even want to say, the, the best part was even to spend sweet times in the presence of the Lord. And But I didn't listen at first. 
And so it just caused me to meditate on what it means to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And I think we've, yeah, we've heard the passage of Scripture quite a few times, Mary and Martha. And, and that's in Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. And I, I must say, I'm quite a defender of Martha. I've often thought, Mary, why don't you get up from the feet of Jesus and help Martha do the dishes and prepare the meal? Then both of you can spend time with Jesus. And I've, I've often empathized with with Martha and felt like it's not fair. She was doing all the hard work. But, but what I've realized, especially after this past week, is that Jesus needs to bring that important correction sometimes. And the important correction was we need to choose what is most important. And, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I just wanted to sort of put a disclaimer there. Let's be careful of what this passage is not saying. It's not saying be lazy. It's not saying just chill out. Uh, just before this, Jesus smoke, uh, sorry, he spoke about the Good Samaritan. And so that's speaking of good works and our good works are important. And of course, it is important to serve the Lord with our best efforts. So this is not taking away from that, but it's just saying, choose what is best. And let me rather just read the scripture in Luke 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And so I think there is, there is quite a simple lesson for us here, even though it's hard to get it right sometimes. And that is that Sometimes we can be busy with many urgent things, sometimes even many good things. What Martha loved Jesus, I believe, and she was trying to do a special thing for him. But sometimes we can get caught up in all these things and forget the most important thing, that thing which is of eternal value, which can never be taken away from us, and that is our relationship with Jesus. And so nothing should come before us spending time with Jesus and building our relationship with him. And that is a lot easier said than done in a culture today that celebrates being busy, that filling up the calendar, filling up the diary. And <clears throat> we need to be careful to choose what is best. I know that Jesus modeled this perfectly when he walked on earth. Jesus was under tremendous pressure at times. He had crowds of people following him. And it says in Mark 1.35 that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. First things first, Jesus spent time with the Father while it was still dark. And from that place of intimacy with his Father in heaven, our Father, he knew that he would fulfill that which he needed to do properly. So first things first. Another example from church, well, from church history, there was a man called Martin Luther, the reformer. And he said this, 
Upon being asked one time by a friend what his plans were for the following day, he replied, work, work, from early until late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Again, it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds like he's contradicting himself, but it's, it's just that he has an understanding. That's sort of that saying, he's too busy not to pray. And he, he, has that, he had that understanding that I desperately need the grace of God to accomplish everything that he's called me to do. And so this is how important it is. And so I just wanted to take a little bit of time to meditate on what it means to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And I've got five things here. There are probably more, but let's, let's look at these five things to start off with. So what does it mean to be at the feet of Jesus? And, and the first thing that I have is it's a posture of humility, of humbling ourselves before the Lord to sit at His feet, positioning ourselves in a way as to say, Lord, I'm here, teach me, please show me. And it reminds me of Ecclesiastes 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, especially verse 2 where it says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. And sometimes we need to recognize that He is God and we are man. And out of reverence for Him, the best thing we can do is to wait on the Lord, be still before Him and say, Lord, I'm ready to hear from you. Speak, speak to me through your word. Speak to me by your Holy Spirit, but I'm, I'm ready to hear from you. I don't want to just babble on. That would be arrogant. I want to be still and quiet out of reverence before you, Lord. Just thinking of that video that we played last week with the Psalm 16 verse 2, and it was quite funny for us because our kids are memorizing that scripture by thinking of the different voices. And I enjoyed the way that Tammy shared that one part, Psalm 16 verse 2. Because she emphasized the, the my part. And it says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. And, and that is so significant because he is God. That is fact. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. But what is so significant is that we would come to the feet of Jesus now and say that you are my Lord. It's personal for me. I submit and surrender my life to you, Jesus. You are my Lord. And this humility is so important because we know that the scripture says that God opposes the proud. And we don't want to set ourselves up against God. But it goes on to say that He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. We want to receive His grace. So we need to humble ourselves. The second one about being at the feet of Jesus is it's a posture of worship. He, Jesus, is always worthy of our worship. And Mary was actually in a similar position to this when she broke that alabaster jar of perfume and poured it over and anointed Jesus with that. And He is always worthy of our worship. Greater love has no one than this than he who laid down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for us. He's the savior of the world. He is so worthy of our worship. And I love the response of Habakkuk. I hope I'm saying that okay. In Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, listen to this. 
Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. What an amazing response that is. And, and I think many of us can relate to that in this time we're in now. There are some confusing restrictions. Uh, the economy is under a lot of strain and I can carry on and carry on. But let us respond in the way that Habakkuk responded and say, Yet he is worthy of our praise. We will rejoice in him. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Amen. Number three, to be at the, the feet of Jesus is a posture of intimacy. It is to draw near to him. And I was just thinking how may we never lose the marvel and the wonder that we may come into the presence of God, our creator, the one who created the universe. We can draw near to him. That is incredible. What a privilege that is. And one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 2 verse 13. And it says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. We can draw near to him. We can experience friendship. And what a privilege that is that we can draw close to our Father in heaven. And just this whole thing, just, it makes me think how relationship is so important to the Lord. And, and I just got this picture while praying for this time. And it was like sometimes the way we act is that we try, even with good motives, to do something for the Lord. And we... We prepare a parcel, for example, and we put a lot of work into it and we, we sort of hand it over to our father and we say, here you go. And I just imagine the father's heart sometimes that he would say, thanks, but I was actually so looking forward to doing that with you, to partnering with you in that and, and enjoying the relationship and your company in doing that with you. And may we never forget the pleasure of his presence and, and being with him. Jesus once again modeled this perfectly. He, we see how closely he, he walks with the Father. And in John 5, 19 and 20, it says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the, um, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yeah, let's not lose out on that intimacy with our Father. Number four, to sit at the feet of Jesus is a posture of vulnerability. And the way I see this is to be respectfully real before the Lord. Not to grumble and complain and just to carry on, but, but to be honest with the Lord about where we are and some of the challenges we may be facing. And I think it's key in this time also, especially probably more the first part of the lockdown is because sometimes in our busyness and the hustle and bustle of life, we can kind of sweep things under the carpet. We can be distracted by some important things and just try and carry on with life. And, and maybe even in our busyness, avoid some of these issues that we know we need to deal with. And Sometimes I believe we really need to be vulnerable with the Lord. We really need to come before Him and be real and say, Lord, I'm, 
I was actually really disappointed about that. Well, I'm, I'm hurting about this, this one issue. And we need to allow our Father to bring healing in those areas. It's almost like I imagine that some of us, we're walking around with wounds and we don't want to attend to them. We don't want to face those things. We just want to keep busy to, to yeah, just so we don't have to think about it or face it. But, but there's some things where the Lord wants us to bring them before Him so that He can heal us once and for all and we can move on from those things. So it's so important to be vulnerable before the Lord and, and to present these things to Him. And just thinking of Hebrews 5 verse 7 where even Jesus, it says during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So if even Jesus had to cry out to his father and be real with him, I believe we also need to at times. And the last one I have is to be at the feet of Jesus is it's a place of rest. It really is a place of rest. And I wanted to ask you, please hear this wonderful invitation as though you're hearing it for the first time and you're hearing it right now. Because this is what Jesus is saying to us in Matthew 11 verse 28. Come to me, all you, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in the Amplified says, I will refresh your souls. And this is a place where we can be restored by the Lord and come into rest. And even this past week, I realized how our identity can often come under attack. And there was one night in particular when I was really struggling where it just seemed I just had these thoughts in my mind of, of everything I'm not and how inadequate I am. And then that was followed by feelings of failure, things that have happened years ago. And it was, it was quite depressing actually. And I just, and I realized that spending time at the feet of Jesus allows God's voice of truth to come into our lives. And I just remembering how often Uncle Peter will say, just one word, one word from you, Lord, changes everything. And that is so true, friends. Um, one word from the Lord restores our identity. One word from Him cuts off all shame and I think the enemy would love to heap on condemnation and inadequacy feelings of inadequacy sometimes and so we probably do it to ourselves too but just one word from the Lord in resting in him can bring that restoration and it's so important just to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ to know that before we've done anything before we've performed before we've served him in any way we are sons adopted sons and daughters of God that he has made us his own that he paid such a great price to rescue us from us and to make us his own and so we can rest secure in our sonship and daughtership in Christ amen okay the plane is coming into land just reminded of that scripture that talks about how the law came through Mo through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and the law is what God requires of us but grace is what God gives us and we know that the law is perfect the law is good Jesus said that not a single letter of the law will fall away so the law is not going anywhere either 
But what we also know, and this is almost a problem with the law for us, if I can say that in inverted commas, is the law can provoke sin in us. It's like if you're walking down a path, you can be completely unaware of the green grass next to you. But as soon as you see that sign that says, don't walk on the grass, what springs up inside of us? Sometimes for some of us, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, we just want, want to all of a sudden go and jump on that grass. And I remember how there was a highway the N3 highway from Durban to Springs, there used to be a chicken hatchery there. I'm not sure if it's still there, but I remember there used to be a sign that said, don't hoot for the sake of the chickens. And of course, they had to take that sign down because what will people do as soon as they see that sign? Go ahead and hoot. And so the law provokes sin in us. But I think the biggest problem with the law, problem in inverted commas, is that we can't keep it. We just cannot keep the law. We might succeed for a short while in some areas, but ultimately we will always fail and so we will be under condemnation. It's impossible for us in our strength to fulfill the law. And so that is an issue we have with the law. And, and Paul describes something of this at the end of Romans chapter 7. And you might relate to this. I certainly can. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do those things. And then he cries out, who will deliver me from this body of death? And sometimes we need to get to that place. We need to get to that place of surrender. You see, the very good thing about the law, as it says in Galatians 3 verse 24, is it's like a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. It shows us how much we need a Savior, how much we need Jesus. It points out our depravity and sin. And makes the case so that we know I need a Savior who will deliver me from this body of death. And praise God, He answers our cry. And just as Paul says here in Romans 7 verse 25, Thanks be to God through, through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the one who delivers us. And in the beginning of Romans, it actually explains how Jesus does that. It's amazing. And Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit, uses an analogy of a woman that represents us. Sorry, guys, we have to imagine this one, but a woman that represents us who's married to two husbands. Her first husband is the law. And the thing with this husband is he is perfect. He's a perfectionist. It is very demanding. He'll say, do this, do that. Don't do that. Don't do this. Oh, you did that. I see that thought. You failed. And he points out every wrong and he doesn't lift a finger to help. So the marriage is not going well. We're under constant condemnation under the law. But praise God, he doesn't leave us there. And we know that the law can't go anywhere. Um, and, and the only way for a marriage to be annulled is through death. So it's amazing what it says in Romans 7 verse 4. It says, so my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. So it's amazing. We share in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We share in his death. So we die to that first marriage. We're no longer married to the law. And now we belong to Jesus. And we can bear fruit to God because Christ can live his life through us. And that can bear fruit to God. That's amazing. Galatians 2, 20 and 21 also explains that 
Wamdani, I always think of you with Galatians 2.20. We both share it as our favorite scripture. But it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We died with Christ, so we no longer have to be married to that law and be under condemnation. And this next verse, which I often skip because verse 20 is my favorite, is so profound. It says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. It's From what I can see, that's, it's an outrageous statement. It's almost as, in my own words, to understand it, it would be as though Paul is saying, if we try and fulfill the law in our own strength, if we try and be in right standing with God in our own strength, it's almost, we're almost suggesting that Jesus died for nothing, which is such a crazy, um, outrageous thing to say. So it just goes to show how important the grace of God is. We can't set, a, set it aside from beginning right to the end. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I would like to finish with two statements. The first one is what could be more important today than spending time at the feet of Jesus? What could be more important than spending time with our maker and, and having quality time with him? And the last statement I wanted to make is you might be in a place today where you're thinking, if I can just get this quiet time thing right, if I can just wake up early enough every day to have a quiet time, if I can just read my Bible more, if I could just pray a little bit longer, then maybe God would be, then I think in the future, if I could do that, God would be more pleased with me. And I, I just wanted to encourage you today that nothing we can do can make the Lord love us more or less. That is His grace for us in Christ. There's nothing we can do to make Him love us more or less it's not so much about our performance but his and he does love us so much that he won't leave us in our sin and he will challenge us in areas but i want to encourage you today come to the lord as you are be real with him let's spend time with him at his feet and allow him to change us from the inside out because it's not so much how we can perform for him and what we can do for him but it's much more what he can do through us to his glory christ in us is the hope of glory amen can i pray for us father i just want to thank you for this time i want to thank you for your word i pray that your word would bear fruit in our lives father i want to pray inspire us lord to spend time at the feet of jesus to spend time at your feet drawing near to you lord humbling ourselves before you worshiping you lord getting to know you so much better and father i pray for your grace to be abundant in our lives that lord we can live lives that are worthy of you lives that bring glory to your name father i thank you for an abundance of grace upon our lives may the grace of our lord jesus christ be upon us thank you lord for your precious people bless them in jesus name amen Thanks all. God bless you.